Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 307, Why Discouragement is a Gift with Susie Boyce Criswell. This year, 2020, I think can be called the year of discouragement. I cannot think of a single person who has not faced a disappointment during this year. Maybe you finally were going to go after things this year. Maybe a big goal like running, uh, competing in a triathlon or trying out for something locally, whether it's a race, like a political race or trying out for a community play. Perhaps this was going to be the year that you finally had yourself on your list. But of course, that list fell apart. When we feel discouragement, I think our first instinct is to just pass over it, wanting it gone, wanting it in the past. So we either suppress it or we numb it out or we do something so we don't have to just feel and be leaning into the discouragement. But as we know, this is not healthy. This will lead to resentment or deeper sadness, depression, anger. So many unresolved emotions will be only further exacerbated if we are unwilling to lead into the discouragement. But what is the reverse of this? Does that mean we wallow? Does that mean we become the Eeyore of our community and our families and our households? No. 
that does not need to be the case. Our guest today is Susie Boyce Criswell, and she is one of our very own, one of our own progressors. I love airing these episodes where we interview regular women who have submitted incredible applications to be on the show. And I hope you know that you are one of those women to me too. And Susie is here to talk about how discouragement is a gift and how we can lean into it without wallowing, how we can use it as a tool without it becoming another form of toxic positivity, which is also not helpful, and how we can use it as a way to anchor more into our identity and our values so that we can be empowered to lean even more into those very important things. Now, Susie is, like I said, a regular listener, an incredible person. She is actually going back to school right now to get her master's. We're going to talk about that in this episode. And she has been through her many rounds of discouragement and her struggles with perfectionism, which I'm sure many of you can relate with. And it's been really nice to return the last few weeks to some of our roots on perfectionism. And so we're kind of continuing on with that conversation here today. I am really grateful that Susie took the leap to be on our show today. And I know that as you listen, you will be able to better look at what this year has done for you, how it's been hard, but how the discouragement that we have been pushed into this year can also be the gift. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. I'm sure this episode is going to give you a lot of silver lining on how to look back on this year. And as you are reflecting, and I hope you you will, we would love to hear what the silver lining is for you. How, as you look at the discouragements you have faced, you've been able to see the lessons in 2020. Our final episode of this year, I want it to be full of our progressors. I don't want my voice to be the way we end this year. I want to hear your voices on this show. We're going to air a Dear Progressor episode, and I'm going to give you a prompt this time. I want you to answer this this prompt. 2020 taught me what? What is it? I really want to lean into what we can learn from this time together. So teach us, tell us about the lessons you've you've gained in ways that you've never been able to in years past. Tell us what you learned about yourself, about others, about humanity, about what matters in this life. Tell us how this year taught you to loosen up, to not take yourself so seriously, or tell us how it showed you that you were not doing enough for yourself and it was time to step it up. I want to hear it all. You can just get on your phone and record a a voice memo, and then you can email it to me at hello at aboutprogress.com, or you can even call a Google voice number, a voicemail system that I set up. The number is, uh, and more information is on my website at aboutprogress.com forward slash be on the show. And that's linked for you in the show notes. And again, that's aboutprogress.com forward slash be on the show. I cannot wait to end this year hearing from you. Do not be scared. You can do it, friends. Susie Boyce, Chris Well, we are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to be here. It's wonderful. I'm just genuinely excited to hear from a listener who has experiences in ways that I don't. So we're (laughs) going to be talking about 
a topic that I think is so common. And I see this a lot with myself. I see it with my friends. And I also see it with the clients that I work with in my coaching programs about discouragement. It is so easy to feel discouraged and sad and disappointed with our growth, with things that we want to go a certain way and didn't with not being an overnight success, like we would love to be all of us, but we honestly can't be human and not experience discouragement. And you have a completely different take on discouragement that I would love for you to tell our listeners about, like, what is your, your take on discouragement? I want to begin actually by validating discouragement. The reasons we become discouraged are often appropriate and even logical. Hmm. So I've been working in corporate sales for over 10 years at the same company and have come to know a lot of the struggles my coworkers were faced with. And at one point, several years ago, I realized I could sort of go down the line of our desks and name something really challenging that every single one of them was currently facing. Here was divorce, there was medical debt, addiction, chronic pain, suicide, cancer, family tragedies, cancer again. Mm -hmm. And I don't think my coworkers had the market on hard things, but it really opened my eyes to how how uh, vast our experiences are related to discouragement. The good news is that despite our challenges, we don't have to stay in that depleted, empty, discouraged state. Discouragement can really be an opportunity and we can grow in the face of hard things in ways we may not be able to without experiencing discouragement. For example, there's a concept called post-traumatic growth which identifies positive changes that can come after trauma. They include things like uh, deeper relationships with others, a more sure sense of self, mm-hmm. and you know, a clearer philosophy of life. And in fact, clinicians who work with trauma survivors have um, reported that they themselves, after working firsthand with uh, these trauma survivors, have reported their own clarified identity from experiencing how resilient and strong people can be. I've had a long time fascination with World War II. Yes, uh, me too. <laughs> right. And yeah. just the stories that res- represent the stark contrast between good and evil mm-hmm. just viscerally illustrate the many different ways that people can grow and change through experiencing deep, traumatic, and heartbreaking discouragement. You know, books like Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl, Mm -hmm. The Hiding Place, Broken. Mm -hmm. They really shaped me because I learned from those examples of perseverance in in the face of such deep discouragement and and often courage and resilience. And the concept of resiliency is actually another benefit of working through discouragement. There, I read a recent assessment that showed that 60% of the U.S. population was underprepared for COVID-19. And that's, it resonates, it feels true, right? That's not in relation to our medical infrastructure and like the the number of ventilators available, but about the personal qualities and mental preparedness that help people be resilient during a crisis. Mm-hmm. Things like having multiple strong relationships, having a powerful identity and sense of self and a sense of control or autonomy in your own life. 
without resiliency, we're left vulnerable to life's natural challenges. And I don't just mean natural disasters or the like the really rare and unexpected pandemic we're in, but, but also the normal developmental challenges that come with life. And by practicing resilience, it helps solidify healthy developmental patterns that we all experience, you know, and I think you've probably talked about it on your podcast, but we know that development is not linear. Yes. <laughs> and our growth, our growth is uh, not a clear path. It's, it's often more like a stair-step pattern of developmental phases or chapters in our life that require adjustment. So we have these normal stair-step chapters like marriage, having a child, or, you know, being an empty nester. Those stages can be prepared for and anticipated but often we're caught off guard by life circumstances. And in those times due to our built-in very deep security measures, we often revert to effective protective measures. This is of course referring to like our limbic reactive flight, flight, freeze response. And in that state, we avoid the cause of our distress. We Mm -hmm. become irritable and angry, maybe even aggressive, or we get stuck and feel stagnant and immovable. Hmm. And along with this, our cognitive capacity can be compromised. So our thinking becomes really rigid. What resiliency does is bring back greater plasticity and adaptability to our thinking. We're essentially buffered from the effects of life, not because we're rigidly and fearfully planted where we are, but because we become flexible and able to yield to the source of our distress. And practically, that means that when we're really discouraged, it won't paralyze us. Yeah. And certainly there are situations that would paralyze any of us. And I don't want to convey in any way that if you're clinically Mm -hmm. depressed, you're weak or somehow inept or just not trying hard enough. But no one is left resourceless. One of the models of marriage and family therapy that really resounds with me is called the recovery model, which posits that every person has inherent strengths and resources that can be utilized to help them recover from pain and suffering. So the tools we need to heal already exist. Sometimes those include medical interventions, medication, therapy, but you know, those tools can also include things like, going back to the stories I referenced, things like the faith and the inspiring empathy of Corey Ten Boom of The yes. Hiding Place, uh-huh. or the deep willpower and grit of Louis Zamperini of Umbrella, which I think everyone should read, or, or even like the comfort, comfort and support of a support animal for veterans with PTSD. You know, all, all this to say that Though we all experience discouragement, courage and sources of strength are available to help us face discouragement and use it to our benefit. It's such a paradigm shift. As I said, I share your fascination with World War II and you know what has been called the greatest generation. And mm-hmm. the reason I believe they are called that is because of the level of obstacles and discouragement and you know, good versus evil that they face. They they were put through a refining process that very few generations have been, but I'm seeing what we're going through now as our own generation and, you know, our kids generations, and even our parents, we're all going through this together again, you know, and it seems like Mm -hmm. another 
moment of refining as a general population, but also within that too, I just want to comment about how you first started with validating the discouragement that it's Mm -hmm. not about someone being, you know, unusually broken or not strong enough that they are facing discouragement because that's toxic positivity. You know, the reverse of that positivity is just like, you know, just get up and just go for it and you decide how you feel. And while that can be true, it's not real. It's counterfeit. If you haven't moved through the discouragement, the low moments that come as you are growing. So I want to tie this into one other thing that you mentioned too, which I didn't fully recognize until you said it. And I've taken so many notes, by the way, Susie, so (laughs) everything you were saying there, the identity piece to the puzzle, how when we are moving through discouragement and we are moving and, and building, create more resilience in the process, we are refining and getting clarity about our identity and our purpose. Mm -hmm. And that in turn helps us better face it too. There's just that cycle there. So I I wanted to hear more on, on that and how that can, you know, build this, you know, cycle of refining and honing in on who we are and what our purpose is and how that also lends to us being able to then endure the discouragement better or the disappointments that come along the way. Yeah. So our identity is tied to our, our core values, which I'm I'm sure you've heard before, Mm -hmm. but, and when, when those are challenged, for example, as perfectionists, (laughs) that is a part of our core identity. Like it was for me for a very Mm -hmm. long time. Well, and of course I'm still working through it, but that's very much the lens that you see life through. And when that's sort of challenged or disrupted, then if that's part of your identity, if that's the source of strength that you were leaning on, that I am a perfectionist, I can handle this because I can control it. Then, then all of a sudden when that's challenged, you're, you're left without resources. You're left without the strengths to, to deal with, with things that are facing when, when you're that, that sort of identity or who you are has been pulled apart. So, so I think, yeah, your sense of self is integral to your ability to, to, face hard things when they come Mm -hmm. again, not, not to say that, that you're somehow weak or, or incapable, Mm -hmm. but that by, by identifying how you think of yourself and how you, how you value yourself or see yourself really changes your capacities to deal with struggle. Absolutely. And I think it's because you know who you are and that the thing you are struggling with is not who you are, because right. I've, I've been through many rounds of depression, but the hardest rounds were the times that I identified my value. Like mm-hmm. I am depressed. I am a depressed person. I am hopeless. I have eating disorders that are my identity rather than right. this is my identity. And these are hard things and they're what I'm struggling with, but they're not who I am. And that right. mm-hmm. was earned right through through rounds of, of learning better about that, having that be refined. So again, we're not, this is not another toxic positivity episode for people to just feel even more guilty about what they're, what they're struggling with. It's just more of a way to reframe it so that you have the power to shift through it better. And so that kind of takes us to our next point. You know, you are right now, you are working on getting your master's and can you tell us a little bit about that? And then we'll go into some tips for our listeners. Yeah. So I, I, I'm in my master's program. I'm getting a, a master's in marriage and family therapy, and I graduate in um, next year, 2021. So exciting. 
Yeah. And the way that I got there, like I said earlier, I worked for 10 years in corporate sales and really saw how so much suffering was tied to people's relationships Mm. and that success in business as well as in life was tied to the quality of relationships. And my, my sort of shift that started this, this journey really was through podcasts. I just started listening to podcasts like yours and, and really saw the perfectionism within myself. I, I mean, I used to tout it as something that should be uh, like as a character trait that was, mm-hmm. you know, more, admirable, more aspirational. Admirable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I put it on resumes and <laughs> yes. saw it, saw it as a like protection against, against negative experiences. So I, I saw relational patterns that I was in that were repeated in my life and noticed areas where I held resentment. And that really opened my eyes to how effective it was to see myself more clearly and how important it was to, to shift my responses to these patterns and to change them. Hmm. So it's one of the things, and maybe I'll just yeah, I was going to say that's a perfect <laughs> segue. Yeah, so let's dive into how to shift, you know, the patterns and how we relate to it. And when we yeah. reach these lows on the growth trajectory, we reach those little bottoms of the roller coaster along the way. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I shifted my perspective on discouragement by shifting my focus. An absolute truth that I see sort of repeatedly is that the power of your focus. You know, there's all kinds of iterations, like what you focus on grows, or Mm -hmm. it's about the wolf you feed. And there's also, I mean, research that, that backs this up. So you, you focus on what works, not what doesn't work. You focus on the positive because it's our natural tendency to dwell on problems or to dwell on the negative. Mm -hmm. I've been getting, since I haven't been able to go to the gym much during COVID or haven't wanted to, I've been doing a lot of like kickboxing classes at home. And one of the things that trainers will tell you is, is to focus on exhaling because the body will naturally inhale. And similarly, Mm -hmm. you'll naturally focus on what's not working. So focus instead on what is, Mm -hmm. and in my experience of perfectionism, it's, it's a lot, it's been a lot more about eliminating flaws than reaching for the best in myself. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't turned out well. Wow. <laughs> so yes. instead the recovery model that I mentioned earlier, you identify and focus on strengths and resources. And actually, so I have this quote by Martin Seligman, who's a pioneer in positive psychology. And he just illustrates this so well. So I just wanted to read that. Oh, I love that. He talks about, uh, he's a self-defined depressive, but says that focusing on what people are really good at buffers them against their weaknesses. So, So the quote is, so when a person finds out that they're really extraordinarily kind and they like being kind and you suggest to them, 
maybe in your daily life, you should take opportunities to display kindness more often. When they start to do that more, it's self-reinforcing. So mm-hmm. in my case, I don't know how to dress. This is, again, Martin Seligman. I don't know how to dress. And if you tried to make me a snappy dresser, I wouldn't have any fun doing it. But even if I don't dress well, I talk well. So it kind of makes up for the fact that my socks don't match. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's so good. I do too. But again, it, it illustrates that what, what really jumpstarts our progression is, is utilizing our strengths and not, and not sort of punishing ourselves for our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And your take on how perfectionism was the reverse for you, that is something I haven't thought about quite in that way, but it makes complete sense to me why that's not the way to true growth. It, it's, you have to start with the strengths of mind first. So that's fantastic. My sort of schema or my perspective on life as it relates to perfectionism is that it was a safety net Mm. that I could use it to avoid negative feelings and avoid discouragement, which didn't work so well. No, it left me really vulnerable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So like growing up, so my younger sister struggled with reading growing up and school was, you know, sometimes challenging for her, but, but I loved reading and, and school was pretty easy. But because of her academic challenges, she learned early how to study, how to, you know, face what was hard for her and end up doing really well in college. But when I came to college, where I had to balance school with work and a social life and my health, I easily was overwhelmed. Yeah. So for two years in a row, actually, in the fall semester, I'd balance, you know, having fun and working and keeping up perfect grades and then midterms came <laughs> and I gave in to overwhelm and discouragement by, by winter semester, you know, I'd figure out a balance and better study habits, but the pattern repeated for the, my first few years of college. And I even uh, at one point was on academic probation. So if I were to be diagnostic, looking back at myself, I'd label yeah. my perfectionism as anxious withdrawing. You know, if something wasn't perfect, if I failed, I just abandoned it. I just mm-hmm. give up. And what helped shift my perspective was again shifting my focus. And one of the one of the ways that you can do that is just by opening your eyes. And you know, we can't change things we can't see, which your podcast certainly helped me. And I was drawn to marriage and family therapy because it's system-based and relational. We don't live or function in isolation. Hmm. And one of the reasons discouragement shows up is to cue us into our feelings of being stuck or or it can, we can use it Hmm. as a cue. And we, you know, often we've tried something repeatedly involving someone else usually, and it didn't work. So we feel stuck in those patterns because they're cyclical, self-sustaining feedback loops that, you know, habits of thought and behavior. So finding ways to observe ourselves and catch ourselves in those restricting interaction patterns helps broaden our perspective. For me, you know, journaling really helps. So many work on mindfulness or therapy with someone who can help you see what you Mm -hmm. can't see. Yeah. Having that mirror held up to you. Exactly. Yeah. So you can notice the patterns because then again, that removes the identity 
from like a false identity, a counterfeit identity instead helps you see like, oh, this is the real problem. I just continue to reinforce this way of viewing myself and then acting that part. And then again, reinforcing that way. And now I can analyze those feelings. Like you said, feelings of being stuck and what that means about me and, and why, and then move forward and actually fixing them instead of continuing the cycle. Exactly. Fantastic. What else can they do? Like if they're just thinking, I feel like I'm at square one here. I get really bowled over easily every time I'm discouraged or frustrated or disappointed. I don't even know. Yeah. So one of the things that I've also really noticed in my life is that, you know, one of the ways to combat discouragement is by exercising courage and courage is contagious. It's said that, that the most motivational people are not those that have already reached the goal that you're trying to reach. They're the ones just six feet in front of you who've just surpassed the obstacle you're trying to, to overcome. Hmm. For me, as I sought for and found those people, or even just looked for the courage exercised in those around me, it inspired my own courageous actions. You know, the yin and the yang of it is that discouragement is also contagious they're oppositional and equally perpetuating. So, you know, Martin Seligman, the, the positive psychologist I referenced earlier, talks about that if negative emotions are a necessary part of human nature, so are the positive mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a big difference. And that is that it's far more feasible, not to mention more pleasant, <laughs> to expand and build up our capacity for good feelings than it is to try to eliminate the bad ones. Mm-hmm. So the, the underlying message of positive psychology is that we can, to some extent, make ourselves happier, even if we can't completely rid ourselves of our miseries. Mm. From square one, I would say, notice, notice where people are exercising uh, courage around you. For me, it was often, the, you know, the more that I lived in one spot and got to know my coworkers, my neighbors, because I got to know their struggles, I also got to recognize how, how much they were utilizing their, utilizing their own strengths to face them. Mm. And it was inspiring and really heartwarming to recognize that despite their challenges, that, that, that they were doing some really courageous things. And, and it really, again, inspired my own courageous actions. And that's where we go back to the greatest generation. You know, that's why exactly. I I'm so been so drawn to that is because it resonates with me in seeing the struggle, but also as aspirational and inspirational and in helping me rise up myself and act the part I want to play. And in, in terms of our own generation and our own lives and the legacy that we are leaving behind us about being someone who never gave up at the end of the day, despite, and not even, you know, in spite of, but also because of the discouragements and the low times, any other advice for them before we sign off? Yeah, just that, that it's often helpful to seek support and to give support to others who are discouraged, you know, vulnerability creates resilience as I shared my goals with others, I was surprised by just how many others are struggling with the same things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all on this journey together, especially in the progress of community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and great comfort can be found from, from those who really rally, rally around you. 
In, in fact, there's research that said social support has been linked to increased hope and post-traumatic growth in, for example, caregivers for cancer, cancer patients. Conversely, studies also show that loneliness stunts any positive growth following trauma. Hmm. So loneliness can be a stronger limiter than the trauma itself. So I would wow. say, I would say reach out yeah. because you're not the only one struggling <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's okay. And, but there's others around you that can, you can rally together. And again, courage is contagious as that you're supported, you're taking courageous actions and maybe like you said, we'll become the next greatest generation. <laughs> yes, I certainly hope so. But Susie, this has been oh, just so everything. I, I, I've i lost my words now because I think I've spent them just, you know, keeping up with you <laughs> and, and your <laughs> intelligence and your spark and your experiences too. This has been so invaluable to me. Thank you. The census is a personal development show. I have been asking guests lately and I've been loving this question and how people respond to it. What is something with yourself and your own personal development and your growth that you are working on right now? Yeah, for me, it has been taking time to be still. Like I said, I've been uh, working and doing school all through COVID for six, seven months. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even though life has slowed down in some ways, it's been really busy. So for me, just noticing moments when I'm caught up in the motion of life and, and started starting to be acted upon more than taking intentional action in my life mm-hmm. and, and using those moments to return to, to seeking peace and contentment. Fantastic. All right, Susie, I know that you don't have a public profile or a business. I mean, yet, because that's probably in the future for you, but if people do want to get in touch with you, where can they go? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably the best rate to uh, reach out. My handle is Susie BC. And it's, it's private, but you're welcome to DM me. I'm happy to be one of those people to support and uh, rally around you. That's so kind of you, Susie. I'm so glad that you rose up. I mean, this is, this was fantastic. Like every single sentence and word that came out of your mouth was so helpful to me personally. I know it's going to be very helpful to my listeners as well. Thank you very much for being on the show. You're welcome. My pleasure. Wasn't she amazing? Wow, Susie, thank you so much for giving the hug and kick in the pants that we need to grow. I am thrilled to share the progress pointers from this episode. And I just want to add, it gave me so much insight to what we've been going through this year. And I hope it did the same for you. Number one, the reasons we become discouraged should be validated. Two, discouragement can be an opportunity to grow in hard ways, including clarifying your identity. Three, Discouragement builds resilience to prepare us more for what is to come. Without it, we are left vulnerable. It is a healthy pattern of development. Four, growth is not linear. Disappointment is an essential part of growth. Five, the tools we need to heal already exist. Six, our our identity is tied to our core values. When those are challenged, we better know who we are and our values are made stronger. Seven, shift your focus. What is working? What is good? What are your strengths? And what are your resources? Eight, discouragement can cue us into our deeper feelings. So analyze them. Nine, exercise courage. Courage is contagious. 
positive feelings are necessary to our, our paths as well. And 10, seek and give support. Vulnerability builds resilience. Susie, I know you are going to be amazing at what you do. We wish you luck as you finish your master's and hope that we can hear more from you in the future. Now, friends, if you want the progress pointers in a graphic form, all you have to do is be enrolled to our our go-getter newsletter. Go to aboutprogress.com forward slash go-getter to sign up for a an email from me every Thursday. And guys, I actually write these really off the cuff. I sit down, I give myself five minutes and I just write what's on top of my mind and I don't share it anywhere else. So I would love to have you take part in that and get that free resource as well. Reminder, we need to hear your voice on the last, the last episode of 2020, because clearly I have talked enough because I can't even get my words out right now. So let's hear from you instead. Go to aboutprogress.com forward slash be on the show. Please submit a, a Dear Progressor note and answer this prompt. 2020 taught me. I can't wait to hear from you on that. This is also the last call to join the Strive Hive. Go to aboutprogress.com forward slash Strive Hive to find more fulfillment to find more about who you are and what you are here to do and have the community and fun and motivation to do that in a way that's easy and not pressure filled. Can't wait to have you in there too. Friends, I can't believe we are getting to the end of 2020. Now, next week I get to share my favorite episode and I'll also share uh, our Dear Progressor episode soon, but I also want to share about um, my do something plan for 2020 and how it went, where I'm at with it, how I tried to pivot and ways I'm going to do better so that you can start thinking ahead to 2021 and what you want and need to do. I think it's time for me to sign off and go to bed so I can get my words out again tomorrow. I'm really thankful that you take the time to listen to the show and to share about it, to leave ratings and reviews, which by the way, I'm doing another giveaway at the end of this month for that. It means a lot to me, but also helps me feel like I am working towards helping you better. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Keep growing and remember life is about progress, not perfection. I know I'm doing a cliffhanger right now, but let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Now discouragement can be obviously a surface for surface Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.